Hey guys, this is Socratic Hobbits, where Daniel Hayward and me, Kyle Morris, think out loud about hard questions when we stay on topic. Thanks for joining the conversation. What are you looking for? Oh, uh, Second Corinthians five twenty one. You want to talk about Jesus tonight, right? It's always a good subject. It is English sanctified version. At least that's the one I read from most of the time. Anyway, uh, we don't have to get right into that. I just wanted to have it pulled up. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, yeah, we actually had a our I guess annual official elder visit today. So, um, what does that mean? It means that the elder, an el- basically the, the elder who's assigned to us from church comes and just checks in, asks us how things are going just in our house, in with us in the church, mm-hmm. just kind of a conversation. Does he come over like him and his wife or? It was just him today. Okay. We've yeah. had them over. Yeah. Do you have like a meal a meal with them or No, it was just an hour in the afternoon. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh did you say did you say it's annual or semi annual? Um, I think it's like supposed to be annual. <laughs> but there are like six elders and six hundred members, so I didn't realize you went to such a big church. Yeah. Huh. So uh okay. Well I mean, yeah. It's supposed to be annual. Maybe it's more like biannual. Yeah, which, something like that. Yeah, that's a little more. Still kind of difficult, but. And not everyone's up for it or whatever, but. That seems odd. Like if you're going to go through the whole thing of membership, then it seems like you would be willing to talk with them for a little bit. And it does seem that way. It does seem that way. It also like I never went to a church where. I even like knew who the elders were. I've never been to a church where I knew who the, yeah, who they were after attending for, and both of the churches that I'm thinking of, I attended one of them. I attended for like, I don't know, 15 years. And the other was, was like five. Mm-hmm. I feel like if we don't talk about our texts, then I'll be thinking about it. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Or like, I could kind of, it kind of seemed like there was some thoughts there, but I think you wanted to not, do it over text or no? I misinterpret. The te- oh, sorry. I was definitely thinking First Corinthians five twenty one text. No, no, uh, we didn't text about that. Right, but when you said text, I was thinking scripture text. Uh, SMS. Yes, it could be like the Europeans. We talked about how I was barred from the table at PCRC. Yeah. Did you have any more thoughts about that, or no, not really? Not well. I guess I I did have more thoughts. Um, Historically, churches have been very careful about who is admitted to the Lord's table. And I think that comes down to the warnings about what happens about the the consequences for taking the Lord's Supper and not being um, fit. fit for the supper. And... I think in more recent times, the 
kind of the the onus has shifted more to the individual taking the supper mm-hmm. than to the elders. Yeah. Whereas in the past, it was kind of viewed as well, it's not just, or more of an emphasis was placed on. I think First Timothy talks about um, has a passage about the. Uh, I'm going to butcher the paraphrase, but it's, it's something to the effect of. Do you know the reference? It's towards the end of the first first or second Timothy. Oh, okay. Well, you just talking, paraphrase. We'll figure it out later. It's 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 talking about how the elders have a responsibility for the souls of their of those in their flock. Okay. And so I think that's kind of where the really strict regulation comes from. I mean, like back in the Scot Scottish Presbyterian Church. They would actually like, or even even in Geneva, like in Calvin's time, you would meet basically the when they had communion season. It was quarterly, and people would in the weeks leading up to it come and that was basically when elder visitation happened, and the mm-hmm. elders would ask a lot of really probing questions, and if you were after those probing questions, if you were found to be um, walking with the Lord, you were given like a little coin or token mm-hmm. that you could then redeem <laughs> at the table for 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 the Lord's Supper. That's very interesting for the Lord's Supper. And then if if you either didn't show up to meet with the elders, or when you showed up, the elders went, "Wow, you are living in." You reprobate. Unrepentant sin. Yeah. Then you were not given your little token and couldn't, didn't have anything to turn in. Yeah, sure. And so then you you wouldn't be able to share in communion with the Lord's Supper. Um, I mean, so you and I've talked about, and actually I had an interesting conversation with my sister about it. Um, It's like, so we, my sister and I believe differently about the Lord's Supper and um, I had a really hard time putting exactly in, in what respect, because there are a lot of things to believe about the Lord's Supper, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So when we were talking about it, one of the things that was, and it, it kind of the same for baptism, um, is like, it's a means of God's grace. Mm-hmm. She was like, well, what do you mean when you say that? Like, so this is one of the big differences that we had. And I had a really hard time putting into words what exactly i mean or what exactly like tradition holds for churches who believe it's more than just a remembering and i I kind of was talking about like it strengthens you it strengthens you spiritually what what i what i tell my son when we're going to to church Mm -hmm. is i remind him that one of the reasons we take communion is to make us strong to obey god Hmm. is to give us the the just like food on an everyday basis gives us the strength and energy to go about our day. Um, the, the bread and the wine we take at, at church gives us the strength to be obedient to God's law. Would you, um, since I'm not your son and I have, um, a larger vocabulary, (laughs) Oh yeah, a little bit of a larger vocabulary than, than just a son. wee bit. <laughs> just I'm, well, I mean sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, we could talk about that in a minute. Yesterday was really rough. I was so tired. I have never. I had like eight cups of coffee, 
trying to like knock it so that I could work like, uh-huh. efficiently and it just I almost fell asleep at my desk. Anyway, um today is not that today is not yesterday though. And do you have anything else that you did? I mean, I think that's I think that's a really good like um not like pithy as in like funny or clever, but just a a good concise way to say it gives us like it's a way that God gives us strength. Right, right. And I'm I it's almost like there's something mystic, but I didn't want to like I don't want to tie it up with mysticism because that feels weird. No, I, I there is something mysterious. You could put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Like th- there is mystery in the in in the worship of God. We're 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 worshiping some a being that is outside of our full comprehension. Mm-hmm. We can't put God in a lab and understand everything about Him. We can't do that with hardly anything, actually. But we that, we, tr- we can do true. better than we can do better than uh, God is. Yeah, cannot be studied that way to learn more about Him. We don't have anything to measure Him with. Yeah, maybe it, it's he, the closest we can. The closest analogy we can get in our physical world is when we're trying to understand what's going on with like photons and electrons mm-hmm. because we're trying to measure them with photons and electrons and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Like the reason Newton's principles are so much easier to study is because you can use photons and electrons to measure what's going on with these massive objects. Mm, I see. Well, kind of getting back to like being barred from the Lord's table then it was right. like you are not, it kind of felt a little bit like you're not Well, first. I think part of the difficulty is like I've probably been to that church ten times. I would Were say. Were you there the previous week? No, because generally the week before they like have a in, in the URC. Um, so they have communion every single time I'm there. Oh, they have it. They have it weekly. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's so. So the the other URC that I've actually attended regular services at. Mm-hmm. Um is my brother and sister-in-law's church in uh, Boise. And at that church, I think they have it, they have it either monthly or quarterly. Mm-hmm. And the Sunday before they actually have like a, um, like a meditation or a, that is intended to both pre- prepare you to start thinking about taking communion and then also encourage people to like, I think I think it was to encourage people to go talk to the elders if they're uncertain about anything about it. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like each church has some latitude in how they. Yeah, and I'm not saying so. When I had gone before, this is the first time I was on a Sunday service. Every other service was well. I mean, they were all Sunday services. This is the first time it was a Sunday morning service. I should say they only do it on Sunday mornings. No, every previous time that I'd been, it was in the evening, and they had communion then. But uh-huh. they never had stated this requirement. Oh. It wasn't even part of the like conversation. It was just here's communion. Uh-huh. And there was kind of the like the normal caveats, which are like if you're not a believer, um if right. you know, some of some of these if there's sin between like unconfessed sin between you and others, if there's unconfessed uh-huh. sin between you and the Lord, like we'd ask that you abstain. Uh-huh. Um, because you need to be right with God. And then and then some of the warnings I think that, you know, um, but it was much more of like a individual thing. And then it was, they had like, they had stated 
And I'm not saying that a church can't have extra biblical requirements, but Mm -hmm. I don't see those requirements that they listed out, specifically that you be in a church under direct elder, like discipline. Uh huh. Like that was, you know, and that was the stated requirement in addition to those other things. Uh huh. And it was even printed in the bulletin, which was like, I don't know if it's a new thing that they're doing, but it basically, it said. It caught it, you it, off guard. It for sure caught me off guard, but it also said to me, you are not right with God. Uh-huh. Like, you are disobeying God right now. And so you can't, that's why you're being barred from the Lord's table. Yeah. I mean, this actually goes back to the conversation we had about being what it means to be part of the church. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about that over text, and then we talked about it, obviously, last last episode. Is that Which one of those are you referring to? The episode. I mean, we ended up talking more about the Lord's Day than we did about like what it means to be part of a church. Uh, but you answered my most of my question about, like, okay, what... Yeah, I guess we did mostly talk about the Lord's Day. And that's why I said the previous time the conversation was much different than I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was expecting to talk more about what it means to be part of a church. We can talk about that as well. I mean, we've got however much time we've got. Right. I know. Uh, did you come like with a with a verse or a, a portion that you wanted to talk about? Well, I've been I've been memorizing First uh, John. Just the, I've, I'm only in the very first part of it so far. Yeah. Um, and then reading through the minor prophets. Oh. Okay. And then we've been going through Colossians in church and in a Bible study on, on that. And then we've been reading through Hebrews for family worship. So I've got a hodgepodge of you got a, you got a hodgepodge, like of so are these like things that you've recently been learning, or is these like so when you sent me that text, I wonder what your actual words were because what I was thinking of first first John and probably Colossians when I sent that text. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because those are the passages that I've been thinking the most about recently. So all this, all this discussion about Ukraine, blah blah blah. No, we didn't actually talk about Ukraine very much. Holy crap, though, right? This is a very weird situation that I did not expect. I mean, it's a very normal situation, except for the last like fifty years in the Western world. Do you mean seventy? Or wait, no, 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 no. When did the curtain wall fall? Nineteen ninety. 80, 89. Okay, never 91, mind. somewhere in there. Okay. So really just the last 30 years, huh? But even that, like, I mean, you were pointing out, or maybe it was David, talking about, like, there was, there was Sochi in 2014. In 2008, there was Crimea. And mm-hmm. I think he talked that about... That was David. That was David? Yeah. And he was talking about something in 98... And then he was talking about one before that, and I was, I was getting lost. But he's Ukrainian, so mm-hmm. he, <laughs> he would pay more attention to that. He would pay more attention his his dad especially, because um, his dad knows knows quite a few people over there. It's uh, it's really interesting to hear about kind of the different perspectives from the Russians specifically, and why, at least. Uh, how David's explained to me why they think that way. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's very different. Uh, Can you share a little bit more about the why the Russians think that way? 
Because yeah. there have been a lot of different things that Russians have been said to think recently. So I'm curious what specifically you're thinking of. Yeah. So um, David uh, explained to me a conversation that he had with a Russian coworker of his about okay. two weeks ago. So this is before, okay. before everything happened. And um, there was already stuff happening at that, that point, but there was uh, a promise that the, there would never, there would never be an invasion. That was no shots have been fired basically. No, I know, but I think at that point, the Russian leadership, Putin had said, we'll never invade Ukraine. <laughs> I think he had said that almost directly. Um, and I think his coworker basically said like, well, if they did go into Ukraine, it would essentially be like, oh, there's Pe- some unruly Texans. Yeah. It's a peacekeeping mission. It's a peacekeeping mission. And whatever the Russians do, it's it's an internal thing. Even if it's Ukraine, they're not actually their own country. Right. Like they're, um, and it was, I'm probably going to cut all this because I am probably misrepresenting what David has said. But basically the reason that they think that is one, Russia is like fantastic at propaganda. That's like, Mm -hmm. that's one of their main exports at this point. And then two, they live in, you know, it's an autocracy and um, dissent gets, gets you permanently silenced. Yeah. Um, and so there's this huge culture of fear. Um, David was even talking about some of his relatives who were unwilling to hear, who live here in America, who were unwilling to speak out against Putin. Yeah. Because of the like significant fear. And they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad over there. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. And that was as much as they would kind of say one way or the right. other about it. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then David re- re- read us a letter. Um, that his dad had written and uh, basically calling those calling his friends and relatives to task about that specifically about how to talk about their home. And it was, uh, it was, you know, it was in the context we actually had gotten together as a Bible study specifically to pray for Ukraine. And, Mm -hmm. um, so it was, it was a really good, uh, I was, um, I was the only one who prayed for Putin's like Putin's defeat. And uh-huh. I don't remember if I prayed for his death. Um, everyone else was specifically praying like security and comfort for Ukrainians and, and that they would get their home back. And I was uh-huh. like, I was angry. I'm still angry. I just, yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing to pray for or not, but I mean, I, I think it's they're just thinking about the, uh, minor prophets there's mm-hmm. definitely the expectation that the wicked will be judged yeah yeah but then there's also like the lord doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked right that all would you know but but i mean the i i guess maybe the the appropriate words are the destruction of putin <laughs> yeah i suppose because i mean the destruction of who he is could mean salvation now i might lean towards saying that he has so hardened himself mm-hmm. that he is a Romans one person. Yeah. And actually, as I'm now thinking about specifically what I prayed for, it was that as Putin tries to increase his um, influence that you would 
greatly decrease it. Yeah. Because it's like, I just imagine like, instead of Russia being and expanding, significantly contracting or being broken up like the Soviet bloc was like even further. And I don't know if that's possible. I mean, anything is possible, right? But if, if China wants, wants Russia, they, it's very possible. <laughs> that's not what I want. <laughs> uh, the Lord is not like a monkey's paw situation. <laughs> he doesn't like monkey's take... paw. What's that? I've never heard of this monkey's paw. There's this, uh, it's a fairly, like a lot of people read it in high school or maybe even middle school. Um, but there's, it's either a short story. It's like a short story or a novella, um, that you're forced to read in an English literature class. When you go to a public school, if you go to public school, but I went to Kingsway, which was a Christian, well, is a Christian school. And I think I read it there anyway. It doesn't really matter. Monkey's Paw. I wonder if, if that's the name of it. Monkey's Paw. Yep, it's called The Monkey's Paw. It's by W.W. Jacobs and was written in that time. I think he... Oh, 1902, September. But basically, there people have this uh, monkey's paw, right? And it, okay. it would... It, like, it's like, you know, like a rabbit's foot. Good luck, uh-huh. but it's a monkey's paw. And you could, I think you had a wish and um, you would get your wish. You would say your wish and then it would interpret it in the absolute worst way possible. <laughs> so think of Midas touch, right? Yeah. It's like uh, everything I touch turns to gold and it's like, well, okay. But then if you touch yourself, if you touch your wife, Eat. if you, you they yeah. turn to gold and then they, they're dead. And it's like, I wish I had, you know, um, 20 gold bars and they like land on your head kind of, I don't know. That's like a dumb, a dumb example, but that's kind of, you know, you had to be really, really careful. I don't actually remember any other part of the story, but it's kind of in the, I don't know, zeitgeist a little bit. Okay. Maybe not for everybody. Apparently not. I mean, not for you, not for you, Kyle. Yeah. That's like Russia and stuff. I don't know. Just like I've seen, I mean, everybody's got phones, everybody's got like, there's footage of everything. I don't know what to believe, what not to believe, but there's so much stuff coming out of there. And in my opinion, he's committing more crimes, like a completely unprovoked attack of a sovereign nation. And so whoever starts a war commits war crimes, basically, with that definition. Yeah. If it's completely unprovoked, like they're not. And I think it also has to do with the size and like relative size of them and the military powers and i mean if we started like shelling canada i would consider that a warm crime a war crime iraq they didn't end up having them did they no colin palace that was his biggest regret was going to the un to make the case for wmds in iraq oh really yeah Hmm. well we don't commit war crimes come on kyle no I'll think about it. I'll decide. You think that's a dumb definition of war crimes? I don't know. I I don't think it's necessarily an incorrect definition. I just thought it was. It sort of struck me that oh, that with that definition, whoever fires first, b- because because well, okay. So so there there's there's a qualification. There is a qualification, right? It's an unprovoked attack. But what counts as like provocation worth taking human life if you are i don't know 
Um, I'm trying to think of a attacks that are not like. Hmm. I guess if someone's like blockading you, so you can't get any supplies, and you fire back. If you, you fire technically, it. you technically started it because you shot first, but really yeah. it was provoked because you couldn't get any food into your harbor. Yeah. And so your life was so it wasn't like they were actively killing you; they were passively killing you. Yeah. So if, perhaps if they were passively killing you, or I was about to say like sanctions, but that actually doesn't work because that's just them not wanting to do business with you, right? It's. I mean, it's a form of economic blockade. Yeah, but what, what we've essentially done is an economic blockade, a financial blockade on Russia. Yeah, but it wouldn't work if the U.S. was the only one to do it. It works because of the like interglobal banking system. If the U.S. said we're just not going to do business with Russia, it wouldn't be near as much. Oh man, but, but SWIFT is such a U.S. thing. Oh, I is mean, it? Oh yeah. I don't know. We own SWIFT. It. I mean, oh, yeah. it's not like we own. I don't know that you can say anyone owns SWIFT, but we run SWIFT. Oh. Okay. Like, like the fact that we have sold our debt around the world. Uh huh. Is what enables us to do things like blockade Iran and Russia and North huh. Korea. Are we blockading North Korea right now? I'm sure we. Yeah, I think we still are. But I guess if were we the ones who decided to do that to Russia, then. Yeah, I mean, Germany was going to keep going ahead with their um, natural gas pipeline to Russia before really? we exerted a lot of pressure on Germany. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I do think uh, we could just, I want to say one more thing. And if you have any yeah. idea, uh, any thoughts about it, then, then you can jump in and then we can. So we do this. I know, I know. Uh, Zelensky was a stand-up comedian before he was president of uh, Ukraine. Uh-huh. And I just think that is... A pretty significant job change. He also, uh, have you ever heard of Paddington Bear, the movies? No. You don't know any pop culture references. Anyway, he did the Ukrainian version, uh, the voice for the Ukrainian version of Paddington Bear. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. It's fine. Just leave it all in. I mean, stand-up comedians tend to be very sharp. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. Yeah, pretty observant. Right. Yeah. And usually with a little bit different of a, um, a little bit different of a point of view than other people. Well, your point about them being very observant, I think, is perfect, and, and that could be really helpful for a head of state mm-hmm. looking at body language and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, even just being able to read a room and say the right thing. Yeah, and even seeing inconsistencies. I think that's one thing that is a is a very much a a, a gift of comedian that a lot of comedians need. I I think every comedian really, because if they don't point out inconsistencies, then I mean that's probably one of the funniest things when you realize that something that everybody does is actually there's not a whole lot of reason for it. Um, and and even like I don't know you've. You don't strike me as someone who would ever listen to a stand-up comedian, ever. Like you've ne- maybe never watched a stand-up comedian. Um, no, I think I have on YouTube. Really? Yeah. Do you know? Do you remember who? Uh, it was some old, it, older guy. An older guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one older comedian. I mean, Letterman yeah. is kind of a stand-up comedian, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's 
he was uh i yeah that's he's a comedian for sure i mean the <laughs> i guess this guy's not really a stand-up comedian but the guy who did the uh the puppet with of osama or the, the Ahmed the dead terrorist oh you don't like him do you i thought he was really funny one of his was really funny and then the other one he's uh I'm sure he like took it places that he should not have taken it. Yeah, but yeah. The one I saw I, was really funny. I saw one of his that was really funny, and then the next one I saw was like, "Oh, he like he hates a lot of people for dumb reasons, and takes things a little too far." I th- that is one thing that like comedians typically do, right? Not or not always, but uh, but it, but you have to be riding that 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 edge, right? Because if, if you aren't going all the way up to the edge and sometimes going over it, like I was just reading in, in a book about the the author was quoting someone who said, if you always, if you, if you never miss your flight, you're spending too much time in airports. <laughs> and so if you never offend anybody, you aren't really towing the line that you need to, to be a good comedian. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just applicable there. I think there's a certain sense in which if nothing ever goes wrong on a project we're running, we're probably playing it wasting too company resources by yeah, playing it too safe, going too slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's, that's a way of thinking about it. You have like no cups of coffee a day, right? That's your average. Uh, my average is probably half a cup of coffee a day. So social, social coffee, social coffee. Okay. Who are you socializing? Friends. That's good. That's a good group of people to, you know, socialize with. It is a good group of people. So do you want to talk? I want to, I want to ask you what you think about this, this, uh, this verse. Uh, okay. So I'm going to read most of the chapter. I'll read half of the chapter. So it's like 10 verses maybe okay actually i'm just gonna read fewer because paul is kind of wrapping up so this is uh second corinthians 5 16 through 21 do you know second corinthians 5 21 off the top of your head nope okay sometimes you know things that i'm always uh that i'm surprised i'm i'm really bad with verses chapter and verse that's no okay i won't test you about that again i don't want to make you feel bad when when if, if you start saying it, I might go, oh, I know what that is. But Okay, I'll start. I'll start the verse and see if you go. This is a four. Do you know the rest? We are more than conquerors. <laughs> okay, I'll just read 16 through 21. Uh, 21 was the one I wanted to talk about in particular. Okay, so from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we were once regarded excuse me, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was, excuse me, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, specifically, he that knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. I remember discussing this with Schneiderwin in the Bible study. Oh, yeah? You have to say David, and that way they don't know which one we're talking about. Uh, I think... You think they know? Okay. What did you, you talk with David about? Oh, I just remember him bringing this passage up. And, okay. and just how, how incredible it is that um, Jesus became sin, and then we are counted as... We, we, we aren't just counted as... We are considered the righteousness of God. And what is righteousness? It's, it's God's goodness. Like that's the power of Christ's work. It takes a sinner and makes him God's goodness. And God's and I and I think it's hard for you to say. It's I, I've heard this passage misquoted a handful of times by pastors. Mm-hmm. They say he became sin who knew no sin that we might have the righteousness of God. Right, and it's not that. It's not. It's not. It's that we became right. It's yes. that. God's like looks at us and says, there's my righteousness. Well, boom. I mean, we were talking about mystery early on, but oh, yeah. this is just prime a prime example of the mystery of God's power. It is mind-boggling to think about that and think about what I've done and think about like uh <laughs> I know this isn't what theologians say, but it's the same idea and a part of my brain was like, that's a funny misquote of what theologians say but it's not this the great switcheroo but they call it the great something have you ever heard of this the great switcheroo not obviously what i said no 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 that's not what they call it they call it like it's like the great um oh uh some substitution thing yeah like the great substitution or the great yeah switcheroo is not not I can't imagine Wayne Grudem like, all right, today today we're going to talk about in class. No. But yeah, just that there's this incredible substitution. And I mean, that's... It's a substitution that changes identity. That's the other thing is, is we're becoming something. That means that our identity has fundamentally shifted mm-hmm. or been replaced. Yeah. It's not just shifted. It's been replaced. Yeah. Because you can't shift something from sin to righteous. It's not on the same plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've been relocated from the sin plane to the righteousness plane through Christ and his work. That, that was actually what we were reading in, in Hebrews uh, 10 tonight. Um, the author of Hebrews was, was talking about how Christ died once for all. And there's... Um, forgiveness and we have forgiveness because once Christ died all those who are reconciled to God through him no longer have sins counted against them because they were all put on the cross all sins were put on the cross and we were i mean it talked in Romans 6 right Paul talks about how we are crucified with Christ mhm and so, and so this idea of us being united to Christ is just shot through scripture. I went from this kind of non-denominational 
touchy feely Christianese kind of like very seeker friendly, right? This is the group I was in for a long time. Uh-huh. And then to kind of reformed theology in college. And now I'm somewhere between reformed and Lutheran and a mix of difficult things. Um, and I think at some point I got in my head, probably related to um, kind of just how I related to God in the midst of, in the midst of sin, really. Right. This kind of it, worm theology that mm-hmm. you've heard, you've heard of. Um, it's really hard for me to, yeah, to like get my head out of that space, but you see it throughout the Bible. Like, right. You see it when, um, is it Abraham who cuts all the animals in half and the yeah. Lord walks through? Yep. Right. And you, you like, Keller loves that. What's that? That was in it's Keller's in, sermon on covenant. It's incredible. In my opinion, at least it's incredible. Like just that. I don't know. It, it's it, it's an explanation of, of what, what could just be like a super weird part of the Bible. And mm-hmm. you could easily gloss over it and you're like i have to read five chapters a day in order to read the bible in a year kind of plan Uh uh-huh anyway but you see that there where like god says somehow this immutable perfect mysterious all-powerful being is going to die if you, you don't keep the covenant that we're setting out today the serpent will bruise his heel yeah yeah um and and like you were talking about Hebrews and in here in, in second Corinthians and, and even just that, like, I don't know. Yeah. It's all through the Bible and, and even, and even God's view of us, despite all of the wrong that we've done as a, as a big group, like hell wasn't even designed for humans. It was designed for Satan and his angels. And then, and then that's in revelation. Like that's who it was designed for. I think also, people who don't follow like choose not to follow the Lord also end up there, but it wasn't, they weren't designed for it. It wasn't designed for them. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Oh no. I'm I'm totally following you thinking about revelations 22 two, and, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying what you said was wrong. I'm just not sure enough about what I believe on that to, to say it that strongly come, come down hard on one point or the other. Well, even without that point, even without the revelation thing, I was just trying to go, you know, from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand the point you're making. Yeah, um, no, no, no. And and we can, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I'm not 100% sure either. I've heard that. I've heard it understood that way, though, and it makes sense on the face of it. Like at a, in the Bible, it is not always that way. I, I think the thing that rubs me wrong about, about that is it almost sounds, you it almost sounds like someone could take that and say, God didn't plan for something. Uh, yeah, they could say that. And, and, and that's what grinds me with that, with that statement about what hell was, what hell was made for. Well, that's an interesting one in the apostles creed too. I mean, you've got some translations that say, and he descended into Hades and others that say he descended into hell. And then there've been debates about just taking that whole line out. Oh, I'm thinking of Matthew. Then he'll say to the left, to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire he prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 14. Oh, I see. Yeah. So anyway, 
that that tangent aside, like we see, through, I mean, my, the whole point was not. I think it'd totally be fair to say primarily prepared. I guess you could take from Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the whole point was not not that uh, about hell at all. It was specifically that God's value, based on what He paid for us and the great substitution that he made between his son and us and how he paid for our sins on the cross. Like he values us very much like a great, an incredible amount. And we're his righteousness at this point, not to say that we act perfectly. I'm not saying that, but yeah, it's just like, that's something where I need the Bible to speak into my life because it's very easy for me to have a very low view of man and not a, or, or even if I have a higher view to not get those values from, from Christ, but from things that I do or things that I, you know, whether my habits are pushing me in the direction that I want to go or whether my relationship is going well or my job is good or any number of other things. But really like those are actually valuing me. Those those are actually those values are too low, right? It's like you're satisfied with mud pies when you could have, you know, as C.S. Lewis says, a holiday mm-hmm. on you know, on a yacht at the beach. At, at the beach, I don't know, whatever. Lewis was aiming too low a yacht. Yeah. Why yeah, a yacht way better. <laughs> Come on, Clive. Anyway, but that's I don't know. It's like you could have a simultaneously a a view that's too low and too high of yourself. Probably, probably because you're thinking of yourself too much. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking to myself there, but. Well, the thing this is bringing up in my mind is, is Colossians actually where we've been at, at our church and, and just the number of times that Paul emphasizes the importance of gratitude in the life of the Christian. And it's all based around what God has done for his glory. And the fact that, he mysteriously decided that valuing us glorifies him Hmm. of his own will just because he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like easy when you're younger to think about like, or to have the thought um, that God wanted us because he was lonely or bored or whatever, but that is nonsensical. (laughs) Like that's just nonsense. And so, it's I think that's just not something that we'll ever really be able to understand that that God wanted us just because he wanted us, you know, yeah, one of the things that the uh, elder we were talking to today brought up and he he's a he's probably in his sixties um he's been a pastor in a few different churches, and then basically he and his wife came here because one of their grandkids was here um and but he was talking about how as we enter the he was talking about entering the season of lent and how the point of lent is that the a, a a poor use of lent is to focus on like penance and uh worm basically worm theology but a right view of lent is to remember that we are called to suffer with christ and one of the things he was he was talking about was how, especially as modern Americans, 
we have tried to divorce our lives from suffering and suffering is viewed as a thing to either be gritted through or just pass through as quickly and pain, painlessly as possible. And, and he was saying that one of the things he's noticed as he's gotten older is just how important it is to remember that suffering comes from God and it comes from God because he is doing something good in our lives. And, and, and we need to um, get rid and, and Lent can be a helpful time to get rid of the idea that suffering is just this terrible thing that we don't deserve and instead recognize how God is using suffering to, to sanctify us and make us really make us more like Christ. Because Christ, Jesus, multiple times in his ministry, talked about taking up his cross, taking up our cross and following him, talking, talked about how um, we would suffer like he suffered because a servant is not greater than his master. Yeah, I don't think of Lent as suffering. So I'm a little confused there. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a fast, right? I don't think of fasting as suffering. Well, so a fast is a voluntary giving up of a good thing. Right. Suffering is an involuntary giving up of a good thing. Um, okay. Now, what? So, so it's not that we are seeking out suffering in Lent. It's that we are practicing preparing ourselves for suffering. Hmm. So if we never, if we never fast, if we never give up good things to for greater for greater things mm-hmm. when we do get hit with suffering we haven't exercised those muscles of of grit going without not uh i don't know that or just maybe like further reliance on jesus right i i think grit is actually the wrong way of looking at it okay cuz cuz grit has that idea that oh the, i i'm just going to like shoulder this load myself like i've got the bar on my back and i'm just jocko getting it getting up yeah jocko you know (laughs) um but i don't think like would you i I don't think we we would it'd be quite correct to call christ going up carrying the cross up to golgotha gritty you don't think he you don't think he went up to the mountains to pray and also like push-ups so that he could but I, I'm I'm particularly focused on the crucifixion. Okay. I, I don't think, and everything leading up to it, I don't get the sense when I'm when I'm reading those passages that Christ is gritting his teeth, going just just a few more minutes, and then I'll, I'm 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 home free. Just a few more minutes, and I, I'm ruler of the world. He is actively. Um, engaged with with what's going on in in how he's in in how he's praying the psalms when he's on when he's on the cross like i think keller has another like keller has a book or probably a sermon series too on how jesus um was praying through the psalms on the cross and and it's not original to keller i just bring up keller because i know you have more familiarity experience with familiarity with him yeah. Yeah, I I don't 
as I've read those passages, I think of Jesus having grit and like pushing through. And I think it's because when I'm in significant physical pain, I'm thinking specifically of like really difficult backpacking trips or working uh-huh. out to where I'm or sprinting. I'm pretty focused on the immediate. And so I have a hard time thinking about Jesus having, and that's not that I'm, I'm not saying that this is how. I think that's a very natural thing to do. I think that's a natural thing for all us, all of us to do, but I think Jesus was doing something more than that. Yeah. I mean, I know there's like a grit is the wrong word for how I would describe. Cause grit is internally focused. I, I think that's the essence of it. Grit. I am digging. I mean, we talk about digging deep within ourselves. That's not how I think of grit. To, okay. How, how do you think of grit? I think of grit as like really focused on the task at hand, such to the point of like, you can't think about how you feel in that moment. You're only thinking of finishing the task, whatever that is. And maybe to you or hmm. to our listener, that sounds the same. And maybe it is. Uh, but it's like, yeah, hmm. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm trying to process. It's hard. I, I don't know if, I don't know if it was actually very smart for us to start a podcast with me um, because I don't understand things verbally first. I have to, I have to process through like I've had. We should probably get back to our uh, like outline form. (laughs) This is all right. I I was thinking about that. Uh, Well, I was actually thinking about that because our CEO has a podcast and they were like, some people were talking about it. And, and one of the things he mentioned, the CEO mentioned, is that they have an outline. And they, don't, they generally don't stick to it, but at least it kind of provides a framework to get the conversation going. And we did that when we first started. We but, did, and um, it didn't go very well. Well, I think, I, I think we tried to be a little bit too scattered. Mm. Like we tried to say, there's this section of the podcast, and there's that section of the podcast, and then there's this other section of the podcast. And that's kind of how the outline went. But if we went more like, here is the logical flow of what we want of the the topic we want to talk about. Then it would give you a chance to process ahead of time. Yeah. Do you want to produce those? And then sure. we could we could more do teamwork. Yeah. And then so do you want me to just put it up on the drive? Yeah, that'd be fine. Okay. So yeah, I will to me I will pick the whatever makes you happy. I'll I'll text you when it's up on the drive. Or I there guess I could just text you the the outline if I that just would do be it fine too or you could email it to me or you could i don't know Signal. carrier pigeons are expensive i found out they're like four or five hundred dollars did you get on signal no i can for you you want me to do that well we don't want the government spying on whatever we're going to be putting out in public on this podcast fair enough all right i mean that'd just be <laughs> that'd be too much we can't have them knowing ahead of time they might they, steal our ideas. They got to wait like everybody else. Biden might put us, put our ideas on the State of the Union. No, that's he's got a year for that. Yeah. He might forget it. He already did it. <laughs> naughty. Naughty Kyle. Yeah. Back to grit. Back to grit? No, we're we're done talking about grit. Um, Do you want... I mean, we kind of talked about some of the verses that you were excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, we got into Colossians as a result of, and Hebrews actually as a result mm-hmm. of, Second uh, Corinthians five twenty one. Yeah, is there anything else so from either of those uh, chapters that you want to chat about? 
You good? Um, I mean, there's a whole there's a whole conversation about uh being being part of the church and the blessings that come from serving the local body that kind of come out of First Corinthians two ish. Real, I mean, really one and two and. Sorry, we've can only you say your had, thing again? I feel like I missed an important word there. Yeah, ser- serving the body of the local church, and and how that informs and instructs us in our walk with Christ. Yeah, and develops uh, maturity and sanctifies us. Do you do you serve? Do you feel like you do like a a fair job at serving your local body? I think I'm a work in progress. I mean, we do we do stuff like. This Sunday, we're setting up the coffee and donuts before church. Okay. And then we try and have people over. It's, it's about a weekly a weekly cadence. Yeah. That we have people into our home from church. Yeah. My wife and I both try and be active in the Bible studies as, as we have opportunities. There you go. Yeah, no problem. It's, you would have it's to actually... find my wife from somewhere else in the... Podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would just I did last time I said You just bleeped it. I didn't I didn't even bleep it. I just cut out the audio. So it was just blank. <laughs> I don't know if anybody noticed or not. Um I was Do you Oh, I was gonna I was gonna ask, do you what are what are things that you think of doing to minister to people in a local church body? I think the things that you just mentioned are are pretty key. Um, my wife and I have recently gotten into a cadence not of our um, church because we're again still looking, which you and I can talk about that more if you want offline. Um, but yeah, just people from Bible study um, and and family would be like where we we spend some yeah some good time. Um, this mm-hmm. week it won't happen. We've got way too much going on. We're going to a wedding in Denver at the end of the month. Ooh. Uh, family or friends? Friend. Okay, cool. We're only taking our youngest and leaving the others with uh, their grandparents. We have this automatic feeder for our cats that we do when we're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't think that would change diapers. but Oh, no. No, it wouldn't do a good job with that. Um yeah. So yeah, we can't be gone very long. <laughs> that makes sense. That that works out. Uh I am running a race uh with my sister, David, my brother-in-law, and a few other people. So, I've been training. I've been running anywhere between 10 and 17 miles a week. Just don't be last and the bear won't get you. Yeah, I'm running 14 miles on my race day. Maybe closer to 15. So I've got to do some prep. Oh, you're, is this the Hood to Coast? It, it's put on by the same company. Okay. Which is called Hood to Coast. But if I say that, then people are like, oh, you live a lot of miles. It's like, well, it is, but it's a one-day release. It's up in um, Seabrook, Washington. Okay. So kind of on the ocean north. Do you know what your routes will be like? Yeah. Yeah, they publish the routes way ahead of time. So I'm running, yeah, two seven-mile routes. Um, uh-huh. One of them has a lot of hills, so I got to start running at WSU sometimes. And one of them, I think, is a little quite a bit flatter. So, so but 
yeah, it's been, I gave up on soccer because I couldn't find a team and stopped trying on Facebook. Um, and yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I did at my wife's suggestion, which you and I can talk about. I don't know how much we'll keep in, but, uh, I started an Instagram, which is this to sell the knives? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. But basically the Instagram is about, um, it's coffee reviews, which I'm really excited about. And then really, really snarky coffee quotes that I come up with. And it's called left coast coffee freak. And yeah, it's like fun and funny and stupid. And so why Instagram is opposed to Twitter. I don't know. That sounds like more of a Twitter thing. I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it on Instagram. It's just, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think part of snarky coffee quotes, snarky coffee, coffee quotes, uh, does sound a little bit more Twitter, but I think part of it is overall Instagram is a nicer place. Twitter is like where people go to whinge about things. Uh huh. What Um, is whinge? Whinge is like complain, but okay. Whine about it. It's like a British thing. Okay. Um, I listen, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is like four or five British friends. Uh huh. And my wife has started noticing things that I say that are not American. (laughs) That's great. And like one of them recently, she was like, that phrase that you say doesn't mean what you think it means. And uh, I looked it up and it means this other thing instead. And I'm like, actually, the people that I was English. What's that? In the King's English. In the King's English. No, no. She's just like, I've listened to like 100 hours of these people talking over years. And she like looked up Urban Dictionary. (laughs) And I was like, you spent five minutes looking it up. And I've listened to a lot of conversation. And even if it's not how everybody over there uses it, it's how these people use it. Right. And so I, I I trust the context that I've built up over time. But... Yeah, whinge is probably something that I picked up from over there. Um, from your time over there? No, Across no. Across the pond? No, 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 no. But, yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's really interesting. The I don't know if I've, I've said this, but, like, they're telling a story, right? Uh-huh. And the I'm just continually impressed with how good the main guy who's telling the story does different accents. Okay. He, he can do, like, probably 10 or 20 very well. To the point where he doesn't need to say this is who's speaking uh-huh. because they're so different. And there's probably like, yeah, probably 20 or and 30 just different. It's just, switches. yeah, he's just, and, it, and it's That's li- crazy. the thing is, is that it's live too. Like it's, rec- I mean, the podcast isn't obviously, uh-huh. but it's recorded live because it's on Twitch and okay. then the podcast comes on later. And so right. he's not like, if I was going to do, I've got ideas that I'm going to do like some stories in audio form. Okay. Oh, but, and you can do audio on Instagram? No, I wouldn't do that on Instagram. This is something oh, okay. else. Um, but I would have to like practice and think about exact, and I could record them at different times. I could do all of the characters' voice at once and then edit them uh-huh. all together. It wouldn't be particularly difficult. Right. Thanks for listening to Socratic Hobbits. If you enjoyed the episode, we would really appreciate it if you shared it with one person or left a review. If you have any feedback on how we could make the podcast better, please let us know. 
Oh, it's very radio voice. Thank you. The end.